How many have seen The Karate Kid? All right, most people. Okay, if you haven't seen The Karate Kid, uh, the basic story is a young man named Daniel, and he's moved into a new area, and he, you know, it's kind of a coming-of-age story, but he's having trouble connecting with people, and he comes across this man uh, who goes by Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi offers Daniel an opportunity. I will teach you the ways of, of karate. It's a particular type, but karate, we'll just say that. Um, but you have to do what I say, basically. Now, Daniel is just very eager. He's been beat up by some bullies, and he's just feeling the need to protect himself in, in a time when he's feeling pretty vulnerable. So he agrees. And so Mr. Miyagi shows up day one, Daniel does, for day one of learning karate. And Mr. Miyagi says, uh, I want you to what? Do you remember? Wax my car. Daniel's like, what? He says, wax my car. And he teaches them this particular motion to wax the car. Wax on and then wax off, right? Because you don't want the wax to sit too long. You wax it on and you wax it off. And he leaves them there all day. He gets done with the first car after a couple hours. And then he's like, oh, I got it done. And Mr. Maggie said, no, all the cars. And there are about a dozen cars. Of course, Daniel, you can imagine his frustration. So he does. So he comes, you know, he's sore. <laughs> if you've ever waxed cars like that, I never have, so I'm just, I'm just guessing, trying to look like I have. But he comes back the next day, and he's ready to go. And Mr. Miyagi says, what? Uh, that, yeah, there are four. I don't know the order either, but paint the fence, right? You're going to paint my fence. So you're going to have to paint, but you have to paint it a particular way. You can't just do what we do, you know, just slop it on there. And he's like, you have to paint up and down in this particular motion. And so he does it. And he gets done with one side, I got it done, and he's like, no, all the fence, and it's all the way around, and so Daniel, kind of cursing under his breath a little bit, does it. The next day, it's sand the floor on his deck, which is like sidewalks going everywhere throughout this wonderful property, and he's supposed to sand the floor, and it's a particular motion. And then eventually, he has to paint the house, which is going side to side, and so Daniel's about had enough, right? Uh, he kind of lets him have it, and then Mr. Miyagi starts, he says, show me Show me the wax. Show me the wax on, wax off. And as he goes to do it, Mr. Miyagi like goes in for, for like punches, and Daniel's blocking it with the motion. And then he goes in for something else, and he's putting to use all that he's learned in the motion and the strength that he's built up doing this manual labor. He thought he was just a slave to Mr. Miyagi, but what it turns out is he was learning something all along. He just didn't know it. So I wonder... If after the movie ends, if he shows back up to Mr. Miyagi and says, I want to learn more, Mr. Miyagi says, go and mow the yard. If Daniel's going to be doing all that he did before and just thinking, this is ridiculous, you're just wanting me to be a slave and I'm sore and this is, you know, I bet with that bit of awareness, he's going to approach mowing the yard a little different and think about what am I learning, right? And Paul opens us up to this kind of understanding to the church of Rome because they've been following the law and they've been thinking that doing the law and getting sore and getting frustrated on just a slave is just for no good. In fact, what it turns out is it's like, it's like so there are all these Pharisees. You ever heard that word? Yeah, a few times. In the New Testament, there's lots of Pharisees and they're having arguments over who can paint the fence the best, Right? And if you don't paint it exactly right, well, then you're not good enough and you just need to get out of here. You don't belong. But they don't realize that the painting the fence is really about something else. Paul's trying to open their eyes up to what it is the law was actually trying to do. 
If you don't know the main heart of the law, it's written on a tablet right outside here. Because although we have the Christian understanding, we still look to that law. But we don't look at it in the same way as if you've got to do it in an exact particular way or you're out. And we don't serve that law thinking that we're just slaves and we're just getting beat up and this is pointless. We, we practice the law because we know it's teaching us something. We know it's instructing us and strengthening us and allowing us to be something different. That in our vulnerable state, we have something to protect ourselves, but not protect like a weapon. But it's, we just see the world for what it is. Because this world has... How many, anybody watch the news, read the news? I know I've kind of been reading less of it lately because lots of different opinions and you start to wonder what's going on. But if we look to the law, we know what's going on, don't we? So to change gears a bit, Abraham. Abraham's been through quite a journey. Go back to Genesis 9 and read up through chapter 22 sometime and see the journey he's been on. But in this story, this weird story, God says, go sacrifice your son. Because that's what you would expect God to say, right? In that time, actually, yes. That's the kind of thing you might expect God to say. Because at that time, that's the kind of stuff that gods did. You had to give and give and give to God and hope that you pleased God. But this God who had called Abraham was trying to get him to see something different. And so throughout this decades-long journey... There are things happening around Abraham and things going on, and he's waiting on the descendant. He's having this experience with Ishmael, which we talked about last week. And the whole time, it's as if there's this ongoing relationship, teacher to student, trying to show him something. And so he, he says to Abraham, go do what you expect me to do, which is to ask of your son. So Abraham does. He does what God's sometimes ask people to do, sacrifice your son. So Abraham takes Isaac right? And he gets ready to do it. But then what does God do? He stops him. That's the weird part of this story. See, in our day, we think it's kind of weird that he would have been asked to sacrifice his son. But in their day, that wasn't weird at all. What's really strange is that this God stops him from sacrificing. This God is different He's been going through these motions, but he's been, God's been trying to get him to understand, I'm different. Abraham's kind of getting the idea because as they're walking, Isaac asks him, where's the lamb? And, and Abraham's response says, God will provide. I don't know if Abraham knew exactly what that meant, but he knew enough. God will provide. So they get there, God says, stop. And then God changes the course of religion and understanding of the divine forever and says, I provide a ram. I'll never, I'm not going to provide, I'm not going to ask you to provide your son. I will provide what's necessary. What do you think it was like going up that mountain with Isaac carrying the wood? What would that be like as a, as a parent? Terrible. What do you think it would be like coming down, knowing that God provides? It's not that God asks us to provide. This God says, I provide. How does that change when you come back down the mountain? Just like Daniel, kind of going up his mountain thinking, why am I doing all this stuff? And then he has the aha moment. Oh, I'm learning. You're teaching me. Oh, what's so the next time he gets asked to do a chore, it's different. 
He's looking at it differently. What was it like for Abraham to come back down? You think there was some joy and gratitude? You think there was some sort of change in the relationship? You're not just like the other gods. You're different. The other gods demand. You, you provide. Now, in the Scripture, it said the Lord sees. It's the same word for provide. Notice, just like last week, Hagar, the well was there the whole time. She just couldn't see it. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw it. And that saved her son. Notice, Abraham's there. And the ram's right there. He doesn't see it. But he looks up, and there it is. And it saves his son. God provides. God has never done that before in the history of humanity in a way that we've come to understand. This is new, groundbreaking ways to understand God. So what was it like to come down the mountain? Are you living in fear of what God might ask of you next? Because this God provides. So Abraham's trust in God grows. Where he might have trusted but been thinking, this is terrible. Why are you asking me to do this? I bet the next time God would have said, go sacrifice Isaac. He's like, okay, right? He's, there's, no, there's no terror there because he has complete trust, complete faith. From then on, he knows this God is different. And it's so hard for us today to even understand that. We still struggle with that today. We still think that we have to do something, that God demands something from us just to see if we'll do it, to decide if we're in or out right? Have you ever heard people talk about faith like this? Follow the rules, and if you follow them, you're in. It's like holding a carrot out in front of somebody, right? Do it. Do it. You're going to have eternal life. Just do it. That's not what God's message is, and that's why Paul wrote the letter trying to explain something to these Pharisees and these Gentiles because they're living in a world with lots of different gods, and all those gods demand. Even the Pharisees' God demands. Do it correctly. Follow the rules exactly or you're out. And every time they're walking through and Jesus is with people, oh, you're with sinners. And Jesus is like, they're getting in before you. And then the Pharisees are thinking things like those Samaritans are horrible people. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a Samaritan. He's actually the one that's doing the right thing. It has nothing to do with what you think it has to do with. It's something else. So Paul talks about it in terms of slavery, okay? Because in their day, that was, very, that was going on. It was a way he could explain it and a way they could understand it. You're slaves to something, Bob Dylan once wisely said. It could be the devil or it could be something else, right? We're all slaves to something. We serve something. Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's the God who demands or maybe it's the God who provides. What is it like to serve a God who demands? Is it sometimes terrible? You're being asked to do something. You just feel like, why am I doing this? Are you really even interested in me, or are you just having me wax your cars? But a God who provides, there's a trust, there's an aha, an awareness. I don't know why you're asking me to do this, but I know it's for my own good. And I live in gratitude that everything I need, I already have. And I just live in gratitude. Abraham walking down that mountain, you think there was some gratitude? 
to know that he would never have to do the thing that he probably worried he would have to do ever since Isaac was born because God's asked you to do that. And it's as if God said, I will never ask you to do that because I'm a God who provides. Do you believe? Do you trust in God? Being obedient to God because you're scared of God is different than living the life God invites you into because you have faith in the God that provides. Do you see the difference? So where are you? We know that if you live as a slave to anything God, to yourself, to even religion, the religion that says you have to earn it, living in a slave to that it doesn't lead to life, does it? It leads to pain and resentment and anger. And you might even become one of those Pharisees saying, you got to do it my way. Is that joy? Is that life? Jesus offers something different. And if we are slaves to God, that's why Paul says, hang with me on the language thing here. I'm speaking in metaphors, right? Because we hear the word slave and we're like, I don't want to be a slave. To serve God. If we choose to serve God, it leads to life. If we follow those laws, if we treat our neighbor correctly, if we treat our parents correctly, if we honor God correctly, it awakens us to what's really going on in this world. It awakens us to the opportunity that we can gather here as a church and we can share tears and we can share laughter and we can share anxiety and we can share grief because we're not trying to earn anything. We're trying to give everything and receive everything. And that is life. That is the outcome of being a slave to holiness. That's what Paul's talking about, the outcome that, that occurs right now. If you give of yourself and you receive others, right now you're experiencing a taste of eternal life that's gushing forth. And I hope you, you think about this. Because we get it wrong. I get it wrong. You get it wrong. Religion gets it wrong. Christianity sometimes gets it wrong. We're human, yes? But we're always being walked with through the journey. And as we feel like we're painting a fence today, we're going to realize it's leading us to life. So we, we can agree a lot of things are a mess out there. Just like when this story was told, Israel was in a mess. God says, Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Live today as if you know I've got it all taken care of. And we might be willing to offer God everything with trust that God provides, with complete trust and faith. That sound like a good life? We, we need help. I need help. I need your help. You need my help. And that's why we're here. And that's a beautiful and wonderful an amazing privilege and gift that God gives us. So let us think about what that means for us as individuals, for us as a group, and what it means for all the people around us that have no idea that there's a God who provides that wants so badly to show them who they are as someone that God wants to receive life. Can we do this? I know we can. Please pray with me. Lord, I just thank you that you, you work with us and you continue to reveal and to provide and to show us. So help us to see what it is that maybe we just haven't looked up to see. 
Help us to re-examine the things that we've been going through and, and wonder how involved you are. And if, Lord, if we're, not, if we're not allowing you to be involved, if we are following the will and whim of something or someone else, help us to break free from that, to know that you've already fought the battle, the battle is already won. Help us to turn to you, to know that you offer life if we just take it. Lord, I thank you that you, you work through your Holy Spirit, that we have this foundation of assurance and truth through your Son, Jesus, and that you give us this gift of life as the Almighty Creator. And so we, we continue to praise and give thanks in your name. Amen. Mm-hmm.